Hello, everyone. I'm Jeremy Wipek, a partner at Polaris Wealth, and I have with us today Jeff Powell. Jeff is our Chief Investment Officer, and he is also the Managing Partner of Polaris. Jeff, it's great to have you this morning. Hey, good morning. So, Jeff, uh, really looking forward to the 2021 forecast that you will be presenting uh, later today. And I was hoping that you can give us a sneak peek of a lot of the items that you're going to be covering in much greater detail when we speak and uh, give us a uh, not only a forecast of what we're expecting and the things that we're watching this year, but also talk a lot about how we got here and the events that transpired in 2020 that's kind of built up to the point that we're at now. So if you don't mind, can you kind of summarize, uh, and I know this is a tall order, but some of the things that transpired in 2020 and why um, we're looking at and paying attention to the things that we are this year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so actually kind of going back and uh, preparing for the event and kind of trying to recap on what did go on is it's pretty amazing when you look back at some of the news stories that that didn't uh, you know that that were big at the time that kind of came and went very quickly because obviously most of last year and really but most of this year is going to be driven by one thing and one thing only and that's COVID-19. Um, while COVID-19 was definitely the largest news story in 2020, uh, got to remember there were some pretty huge things that went on uh, during the year. Like the United Kingdom withdrew from the European Union. Um, we had another impeachment. Uh, Donald Trump was impeached. Uh, the trial began uh, January 16th. He was acquitted on February 5th. Um, again, something that you may not even remember that happened during 2020. Um, there was some kind of cool stuff that went on. SpaceX was the first private company to launch astronauts into space. Uh, we also had some pretty tragic things going on. Uh, the wildfires that went on in California and on the West Coast. It was the worst fire season on record for California with the largest ever uh, wildfires that we've had in size. Um, the East Coast didn't have it any easier. We had the, the worst hurricane season on record with having over 30 named uh, hurricanes during the course of the, the year. Um, those actually you know, kind of pile in comparison to things like the George Floyd uh, death and really the Black Lives Matter movement that really uh, changed, I think, hopefully our country for the better in a lot of ways with uh, a lot of the, the social injustice and the change that has been called upon with this country. Um, and then we, had a two, then we had an election, you know, and, and the 2020 election um, really kind of, I've been joking, is kind of the icing on the cake, which, you know, could only have happened during 2020. So that's kind of a, a bigger mark of, but, you know, kind of taking you through a little bit of the details of the market. If you remember, the beginning of 2020 started off strong. I mean, it was kind of the the tail end of what we had seen in 2019. It was kind of a continuation. We'd seen a nice move up. Yes, we had heard of a coronavirus going on in China, uh, but it was really kind of more the fear of how it would impact U.S. companies. So we had a little bit of a dip in the market in January and companies like Apple and Microsoft and Intel who had industrial production or had parts coming from that area that were uh, absolutely influential on uh, the productivity of those companies. We saw some downward pressure, but then we kind of blew it off and, and things continued to move up until the wheels came off. And the wheels really came off, uh, Jeremy, if you remember, uh, the markets peaked February 19th. Um, then we went into a weekend and over the weekend, 
uh, stories started coming out and we started getting much more clarity to how bad COVID-19 really was. You know, prior to that point, yes, the United States had had a case or two, uh, you know, really located up in Washington state only. Uh, but this news report came out and said that COVID-19 had spread to at least 30 countries. And that news alone uh, led to what I consider, well, I don't even consider, I know, was the fastest 30 plus percent drop in the market's history. You know, from top to bottom, we saw you know, a 23-day slide in our markets uh, where we saw almost 34% drop in the S&P 500. And then the recovery. I mean, so uh, we didn't stop dropping until uh, the House of Representatives passed the largest stimulus package in, in our country's history. Uh, the CARES Act was a $2 trillion um, a package. And so with that, you know, a lot of money being thrown at corporations, small business loans to keep people employed, but we had about a quarter of the CARES Act go directly into uh, the American public's hands um, with money going towards just direct payments and then also unemployment insurance uh, for those that lost their jobs. So that alone started a recovery. Um, and then we also had the PPP or the uh, Payroll Protection Plan uh, come out in April. And that again, really kind of gave the, the average investor a, you know, the knowledge base that the US government was going to do a take whatever it takes type of mentality uh, to support the economy and to support the markets, which again, just kept a, a juggernaut uh, move in the right direction. By August, the markets had recovered all the loss that had occurred in February of March. And then the tail end of it, really, uh, for 2020, we had a dip in, uh, in September, another dip in October, and those were really kind of surrounding, you know, is there going to be future stimulus going on? And also a little bit of, uh, you know, protection uh, to portfolios ahead of uh, the election. And then once the election was behind us, you know, once you know what you don't know, the markets tend to rally off of that. And so once the election was done, regardless, again, of your political ideology, you at least knew what was going on. Uh, markets started moving up and, and finished the year uh, up quite substantially. Yeah, well, when you uh, put it that way, Jeff, uh, 2020 had a lot to go on. And you're right, a lot of it was overshadowed by the pandemic. And I think we forgot a lot of those other things. And and to your point, some really good things that happened well. It's amazing that a private company like SpaceX was able to uh, to work with NASA to send uh, or to send astronauts into space. So a lot of incredible things as well. So with all of this, Jeff, then that ties into um, what we're expecting to occur in 2021. So what are some of the trends and data points that you're looking at to help give you some insights into where you think this market might be going and uh, what the uh, U.S. and world economy is going to shape up like? Yeah, so 2021, again, it, it's a, a shift, but it's it's a still a everything to do with COVID. Uh, what we're really looking at is how do we get back to any kind of normalization? Uh, so when we're looking at it kind of in that context, um, right now we are still very much trying to recover from uh, the, the hit to our economy. I mean, if you remember from previous pieces, we had uh, unemployment hit levels that we had not seen since the 1930s. We had the largest one quarter drop in GDP history. So how do we recover from those types of things uh, without having the government really be the full stimulus behind it? And really what it comes down to is 
Right now, there are two very highly effective vaccines, uh, one from Pfizer, one from Moderna, uh, that are uh, already being produced. They're already being distributed. Uh, the question is, how can we ramp that up to make that as quick as possible, not only in the United States, but globally? Because in order to really kind of knock COVID out of the you know, major headline and having it be in the rearview mirror, we have to get to a point where we have what is referred to as herd immunity. And I don't mean like herd as in hearing, I mean herd like a herd of cattle. You know, you need enough people in our population that have the antibodies either through actually producing themselves through having had COVID or through actually being inoculated or immunized through getting uh, the vaccine. Um, we need to get to kind of a 65, 70% level in order to really knock down this as a global pandemic. And we're talking about that on a worldwide basis. And really the hope is that uh, not only these two companies, but there are three other companies uh, that have um, are, are close to getting uh, uh, approval uh, on what's going on with the vaccines. We do have two other vaccines that are out, but are less effective than, than Moderna and Pfizer. Um, so really the hope is to, to get ourselves to a point where uh, enough people have been immunized. So that's the start of it. From there, really the question is, if we were to just wave our magic wand and, and really, the, again, the projection is kind of summertime to be at a herd immunity level, but to really see numbers come down quite substantially uh, during uh, the latter part of winter, early part of spring. Um, if we were to see that happen, where's the recovery? And that's really what we're looking at. So 2021 looks like, uh, at least according to uh, a consensus of analyst estimates on S&P 500 companies, the uh, the earnings should actually be slightly stronger than what we saw in 2019. 2019 was an incredible year. 2022 looks even better than 2021 with regard to earnings estimates. But again, we, should, we don't want to get over our skis here. Um, really, the, the question is where within the markets. And where my fear is that you had the largest price movement differential between large cap growth and large cap value since 1999. You know, the large cap growth marketplace in 2020 was up 39% uh, and value was up less than two. We have not seen that kind of, of differential uh, since 1999. You did start a trend in fourth quarter where value outperformed growth. Uh, by about 5%. And we expect that trend uh, to continue uh, well into 2021. Um, as we've discussed in previous uh, podcasts, we've also discussed it in our educational pieces uh, called the Polaris Perspective. Um, what ends up happening is when you lead out of a major watershed event, there's leadership getting you out of it. There's the recovery leadership. And that leadership tends to then wither out because it's gotten back to proper valuations or even properly uh, or even possibly overvalued. And what you tend to have happen in those kind of situations, Jeremy, is the markets will get ahead of themselves in those particular categories and they'll kind of stall out, maybe even lose a little bit of money, but it'll be other areas of the market that will really be you know, picking up that next leg in the market. Yeah, Jeff, that's very interesting. And uh, understanding kind of where the leadership was last year and then where some of the upcoming trends. I think one of the things that I've heard some concern about is, you know, 2020 was such a strong year and some of the stocks did so well, what's left in 2021? And what I hear you saying is that 
while that may be true on the growth side, value really hasn't had its time to shine yet. And so it sounds like there's a tremendous amount of opportunity on the value side. Do you mind jumping into some of the specific sectors and different areas of the market that you're eyeing um, that look like they may be outsized opportunities this year? Yeah, absolutely, Charmaine. Uh, so again, one of the things that we're constantly looking at uh, as a firm is you know, we, we certainly don't want to be buying the, the nosebleed level uh, companies that have, uh, you know, have had a rocket ship stronger than 45 degree angle up. I mean, if you look at companies like Tesla, um, while we've had that in our uh, growth strategies, we've we've taken it out. There's no way in the world that that, that a company continue to sustain a price movement like that. And when the game of musical chairs ends, those are going to be the areas of the market that get hurt. So just even looking again, and, and just to make your point, and then I'll jump into uh, sectors that look the, the most attractive to us. You look at a thing called linear regression. Well, linear regression is just a, you know basically a growth pattern over time in which different segments of the market have sustained. And then you look at see, you know, is it ahead of it? Is it below it? You know, and historically, there's a thing called a reversion to the mean, where if you get too far above that line, it gets pulled back down. Uh, and if it's too far below, then it will get pulled back up. Um, right now, if you're looking at linear regression at, at year-end numbers, uh, growth is overvalued. Uh, not only on a, you know, if you're looking at the top 10 companies uh, from a historical standpoint, from PE ratios, you're looking at them being 173% of normal. Large cap growth as an overall uh, category is about 168% uh, above normal numbers. Linear regression is not as bad. But it's about 8% above where it normally is. Linear regression on the other side for value would show a 45% growth just for it to come back to its historical number. So again, another reason why we're really looking at those kind of figures. Within this, the, uh, the sectors, the ones that look uh, the most appealing to me are industrials, uh, materials, some, some areas of consumer discretionary. So again, your Amazons, your Home Depots of the world have really already had their big run, but it's other areas of the marketplace that look much more attractive within consumer discretionary. And that consumer uh, services also looks fairly attractive when you're looking at the earnings growth potential of the particular area and also matching that with uh, the current valuations within that particular segment of the market. We also like financials. We also like energy. Um, you know, those are more uh, regression to mean things where the, these are areas of the market that were down and down a lot in 2020 where we think that there will be a recovery uh, within those areas. And, and you know, it's not to sit there and say that your information technology sector of the market won't do well. It's just not gonna be the juggernaut that it was in 2020. And so while you may wanna be looking at it, it is 27% of the stock market after all. Uh, you wanna use some caution there and be very, very selective of your names. Your Zooms of the world, your Amazons, uh, things that were really the high flyers uh, within uh, the 2020 marketplace are not going to be able to have the same sort of sustainability in 2021. Jeff, that's that's great. And um, I think one of the mistakes that uh, we sometimes make um, as individual investors is we look at historical patterns, say, wow, that stock did really well. So let me buy it now to carry that into 2021. And your point's well noted that if something overran, right, it's probably going to lag and underperform. And so 
Um, I think one of the key differentiators on strategies that are able to sustain their growth rates, not looking at what has done well, but uh, forecasting what's expected to do well. So really appreciate your insight there. And of course, um, fully understanding that uh, Flourish looks at the stuff daily. And uh, one of the, the great things about the strategies is that you know everything that you're sharing is what we know today. A month later, the picture may change a little bit and our strategies will incorporate that research and make sure that we stay invested in a manner that correctly aligns with forward macroeconomic research. Um, I, I do wanna talk a little bit about uh, inflationary pressures, interest rates, and the bond segments of the market. Um, we've talked a lot about the equity side. Um, a lot of people appear to have uh, been drawn into bonds to flee some of the volatility that was being experienced in the equity market. What is the 2021 forecast for those areas of the market? And are there any uh, cautions that you would have for people that are in that segments of the market? Yeah, um, great question, Jeremy. I mean, the, the bond market uh, obviously is a little bit different than the stock market. I mean, you're dealing with a, a market right now, a 10-year treasury has actually moved up from about 90 basis points to about 110 basis points. That's a, a nice way of saying 1.1% versus 0.9% uh, uh, in the market. We have inflation though that's sitting at about 1.65. So if you were looking at kind of year-end numbers just to make you know some consistency to the conversation, um, a, a person who's going out and buying uh, short-term, intermediate-term fixed income, especially treasuries, while your statement may show some income coming in, again, from a historical standpoint, these are very low yields. Um, what you're really saying that you're willing to do in a situation is lose some of your buying power. Now, I've kind of joked with people and said, okay, you know, if I came to you and said I had an amazing investment for you, Jeremy, you know, you give me $100,000 and in 10 years time, I'll give you 93 back, guaranteed. You know, that's really what you're talking about. You're losing about seven tenths of 1% every single year over a 10 year time period. You're losing 7% of your buying power uh, over a multi-decade time period. That can be a major erosion of your buying power. Um, so people who are looking for stability, you know, things that we're looking at, um, high yield, we're looking at preferred stock, we're looking at convertibles, we're looking at international, we're looking at tips, um, we're looking at out of the ordinary uh, type of fixed income that can actually give you a little bit more in the way of fixed income. We've, uh, as a firm, uh, started to invest in alternative uh yielding investments uh, something that we don't have time to go into today and really can't talk about because of uh, the need for an, uh, the person to be an accredited investor but there are there are instruments out there getting five six seven percent income um that you should call your polaris wealth advisor to talk more about um the biggest loser last year however if you're looking at it was the dollar you know the dollar lost money so again, as you're looking at it, as the U.S. prints money, uh, the one thing you're seeing is a devaluation of the dollar. A devaluation of the dollar means you need to offset that with growing your portfolio. And so again, long-term, uh, when we're sitting on $27 trillion of debt, you know, the easiest way for the government to make that, uh, those trillions go away is devaluating currency. Uh, devaluating currency means loss of buying power, it means that your investment, your portfolio needs to be able to offset it in one way, and you're not going to do it picking up 1% here or there.
It's just not going to happen within the fixed income marketplace. So we've been really encouraging a lot of our clients to really rethink uh, what their consideration of risk is. You know, while bonds do add stability to a portfolio so that there's not as much monthly volatility within what they're going to see in their statements, it's really not providing them uh, quite the stability that they really think that it is. Yeah, Jeff, and that's, that's great advice and um, something that we certainly talked a lot about. And I mean, overall, I'd say people have been pretty um, lucky is probably the wrong word, but pretty fortunate that interest rates haven't moved all that much over the last five years. But your points well noted that uh, if interest rates really did start to move, if we start seeing inflation in any kind of significant fashion, which no, it's not just Polaris, but a lot of uh, a lot of economists, a lot of firms are starting to predict. Um, I don't know that a lot of people understand the risk exposure that they have there, and something that they need to be watching very closely. Um, thank you so much, Jeff, for kind of going over uh, some of the items that we're going to be talking about later today. Any uh, last uh, uh, message or any last words of advice uh, heading into 2021 that you want to leave with everyone? The biggest thing that I would throw out is when we're looking at the, the market, you know, mo too, too many people take too much of their time looking at benchmarks. And we've kind of beaten up benchmarks before, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of finish up on, on one note here. And that is when you do have the top 10 stocks in the S&P 500 representing as high of a percentage as they do right now, which is, you know, basically 25% of the S&P 500 uh, almost 30 is controlled by these top 10 companies and they're trading at 172% of normal. The, the likelihood of having the S&P 500 having a stellar year in 2021 is limited. I mean, it, it's, it's limited in the context of. That being said, it does not mean that you can't make money in this market. This is going to be a stock pickers market. This is going to be a value market, uh, much more so than a growth market. So the dividend payers should do much better than the non-dividend payers uh, during the course of 2020. Um, and you're going to be looking at areas of the market that uh, have not done well or are going to be recovery names. Those are going to be the areas of the market uh, that I believe that are going to really kind of shine. So while we don't see this being a easy market from a index only basis, I will tell you that the investment team at Polaris Wealth Advisory Group is actually very excited about what we're seeing already in the first few weeks of the year. Um, we're already outperforming across the board in all of our strategies, uh, but what we think is going to be a lot of value add to our clients uh, by the specific nature of what we bring to the table by the dynamic tactical way that we manage money. So I'm actually really looking forward to 2021. I know it's not going to be a 2017 where the markets go straight up. Uh, we're going to have some hiccups. Uh, some of that might be due to distribution of uh, what's going on with the vaccines or whatever else that we're seeing within it. But I, I think that there's a lot that we can do uh, as an investment firm for our clients during 2021. So I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Jeff, well, that's a, uh, that's a great uh, note to leave this on. I think something that we forget is that even though there's a little bit of craziness and that certainly creates volatility, that, op that also opens up opportunity and something that I know uh, as a firm and our portfolio management team really embrace and try to take full advantage of. 
So with that, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate uh, your comments and insights on these uh, various aspects. And to our audience, as always, be happy, be safe, and be healthy.